Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. And on this week's episode, I'm very pleased to have a senior data visualization engineer, Elijah Meeks from Netflix. Elijah, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to talk to you. Um, of course, as most people, I'm sure, who listen to this show know that you started a bit of a hubbub uh, with a tweet a few weeks ago, followed up by a number of blog posts and some interviews on, on the Data Stories podcast and some other places. Um, so I'm excited to dive in to talk about this state of the data visualization field. But I think before we do that, I, I'd like to give you a chance to talk a little bit about what you do at Netflix. Um, I think for me, I'm just interested in, in what a data visualization engineer does at Netflix. And before I let you do that, let me just thank you for letting us download uh, movies. That just gives me a lot of uh, things to do on my commute to work. So um, so thanks for that. But uh, maybe you can start talking about a little bit what you do there at Netflix. Well, you're welcome, John. Um, that is uh, 0% of what a senior data visualization engineer does at Netflix <laughs> is providing downloaded movies. Um, I also don't provide the regular movies or um, any of that other stuff that you actually think of with Netflix. What I do at Netflix is I uh, design and develop internal applications for analyzing uh, the kind of data that you would expect Netflix to produce, which is um, data about how people become members at Netflix, how uh, the Netflix application determines what shows and movies to put in front of you, how you are interacting with it, why you might leave, and those kind of things. And so analytics, the examination of analytics is a major aspect of the use of data visualization in industry. It's in contrast to what I did at Stanford, which is becoming so long ago now that I feel kind of odd bringing it up. At Stanford, I did much more um, data visualization in service of research projects, specifically in, in a field called the digital humanities, which is the application of traditional quantitative techniques like GIS or network science or natural language processing directed toward humanities subjects like English, uh, literature, um, philosophy, history, that kind of thing. And uh, how many people do you have on the team at Netflix that, that does data visualization or the sort of work that, that you do? Well, there's different ways that organizations develop their data visualization talent. So some orgs like... Uh, like Uber have data visualization, dedicated data visualization teams. Mm. Uh, Netflix doesn't. We have data visualization engineers embedded in different teams that are directed toward different parts of what Netflix does. My team consists of myself and then Susie Liu, another data visualization engineer, and, uh, and another couple of people who are more focused on more traditional um, JavaScript software development. And my role is, you know, developing typically with D3 data visualization applications, building a bit of uh, data visualization infrastructure, and then more general UI design and development for the applications that these uh, data visualization products are embedded in. I see. So, so the visualizations themselves that you're creating, those are visualizations for other people in the Netflix organization to better understand how the algorithms are working or how other a aspects of the business are working. Is that right? Absolutely. So we build products for internal clients, and sometimes those clients are the scientists who are interested in designing better algorithms. Sometimes those clients are the non-member teams that, that try to uh, increase membership at Netflix. And sometimes those clients are content or product teams that are more focused on 
developing new content or understanding the success of the content that we've either produced or licensed mm-hmm. um, or the general health of the uh, of the Netflix application itself. Right, 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 right. And is there a separate um, data team that works on building applications to pull all the data from the streams and from users and gives those to you? Or is that part of the responsibility of, of you and your team as well? The larger sort of tech companies in Silicon Valley, you're going to see uh, massive resources dedicated to processing the data that comes through. Yeah. And I can't even remember the crazy amounts of data that are coming through anymore. Um, we develop new technologies and we have lots of folks who are obsessed with the kinds of uh, data stores and query engines and things that allow you to access this stuff in a really fast kind of way. And so most of that is handled by what are referred to here as data engineers. And eventually we'll step in to write queries and process data as it comes into the application or maybe on our own for prototypes of uh, certain data visualization products. But the productionalized version of these queries, the productionalized version of these sort of data pipelines will be written by people who know that area uh, better than I do. Right. Okay, very interesting. Um, I mean, it's certainly interesting for me, uh, coming from a sort of the other side of the country in a totally different uh, sphere, different industry about how uh, others are, are using data visualizations, um, which leads us to the next point of discussion, which is um, the thing that you've been talking about for the last few weeks, which is sort of the state of the data visualization field. Is there a data visualization field? Um, are people sharing skills and, and tools and products effectively and efficiently. So maybe to kick this off, you can try to maybe summarize the, the argument that you've made. And I think um, I may push back on a little bit, but I'll let you sort of kick things off and then we can fight from there. Sure, sure. And so um, I can't, it's been what, a month and a half now, I think. A long, yeah. long time ago, <laughs> I tweeted something uh, about how people leave data visualization. And how, you know, it was a very sort of Hamlet moment. There's something rotten in the state of data visualization. And I thought that it would be acknowledged or found interesting by a couple of people. And it was actually found interesting by quite a number of people in the field. And that led to um, some vigorous debate. And then my moving forward with a survey that I'd wanted to do for a while. And the results of that survey sort of uh, backing up some of the ideas that I'd had in creating that tweet, but also some of the pushback that folks had responded with, especially around like this idea of whether data visualization, I think, is a skill or is it a profession? Mm. I think everyone acknowledges that it's a skill. The question is, are there real data visualization positions that are dedicated to data visualization? Or is that a misapprehension of what data visualization is? Is data visualization just an important skill in use by other roles like UI right. engineers or data scientists. And so, and, you know, I mean, we got pushback from prominent uh, members of the community. I think that uh, part of it was pushback on this idea of there being a data visualization profession. So folks like Stephen Few said, no, there isn't a data visualization profession. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part of it was pushback on uh, the presumed motivation for this kind of thing. Because I've also argued in other places about how we need to do more complex data visualization. We need to use more complex methods in practical data visualization uh, problem spaces. So um, in industry, you see quite a conservative bent and you have this 
desire on the part of your clients in industry to use methods that are good for um, numerically precise data visualization, so line charts and bar charts. And I've argued in a number of different places that we should see more hierarchical data viz, we should see more network data viz, because those kind of patterns, you presume, are, are relevant. I, I think I also saw pushback um, from folks who find it, you know, I mean, I, I presumptuous, I think, that um, that maybe I just want to do that because it's fun to do that kind of data visualization. And I'm not having fun making bar charts and line charts. And that really it shouldn't be about having fun and, and pushing the boundaries as far as data visualization goes. Really what it should be about is delivering insights and making sure that your you know visual display of information is as clear and accessible as possible. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously a lot to unpack there. And I think there's sort of two threads to, to this discussion. There's a discussion of um, the practice versus the career, as it were, or the position, as it were. And then there's the style of the visualizations or the types of visualizations that, that we're creating. I think when I first really got interested in this field, you know, tower infographics were the big thing. And very quickly, those have sort of gone away, you know, and then it was make everything interactive. And even now we're starting to, you see people starting to pull away from some of the interactivity. Um, but let's, let's start with the first part, because I think what struck me the most about the first couple of blog posts, um, that you wrote was that, yeah, I didn't feel like there is a person who is the data visualizer. And again, I think, um, which you've, you've noted also is that we all have our own perspectives on the type of people that we work with and the people, you know, who we are. Um, but I've always found that people who like or are good at creating visualizations, that's not all they do. They're doing research. They're, they are doing the UI and the UX. They are doing the design as well. Um, and that there isn't just a person who just does data visualization. Also because the visualization part sort of sits on the bedrock of using data. And, so, you know, I worry about being able to create visualizations where I don't understand the data or not well versed in the data, even though people do that a lot. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's an interesting formulation um, right. because it's like if you think about it, um, you know, you might then use the same kind of argument to say that there's no such thing as a data scientist. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like a data scientist in a place like Netflix, while they'll query databases and such, they'll, they'll still rely on uh, people who understand the fundamental summarization and processing of the data that they're working with better than them. There's this problem, I think, that we struggle with, which is trying to identify what's the the necessary background knowledge versus what's the sort of specifics of what somebody's doing. So, of course, I'm still going to write queries and deal with data and think about patterns in the data. Um, But the majority of my time is spent thinking about uh, ways to represent data that are going to enable the people using that data to make new decisions and to understand as much of the phenomenon as possible Mm -hmm. as they're examining. Um, And I do think that fundamentally there's enough work in a role like that to justify the term, you know, data visualization engineer in the same way that I think there's enough work in uh, processing data to justify the data engineer role, even though a data engineer is going to do some some statistical modeling, they're going to do some data visualization, a data scientist is going to do some, you know, data processing, they're going to do some data visualization. Um, in the same vein, yeah, I do, I do UI work. And mm-hmm. I, I write queries and I even use statistical methods to try to aggregate and summarize the data. But I don't come up with research agendas. Right. I, I don't sit here and say, I think this is what we should be doing with this A-B test. I don't sit in strat meetings and try to figure out how to adjust the, the Netflix product to make it more um, valuable to users. Mm-hmm. Instead, 
those people who do that come to me and say, well, we've been doing that. And these are the results. You know, this is what the analytics on the website say. And this is how we're looking at it right now. What's a better way to look at this so we can take into account more factors? And, you know, that's where I add value to the process. And I think that that's a real role. And in fact, I think it's a super important role Mm -hmm. that I think that moving forward, I think that companies that don't acknowledge it and don't maximize it are going to not be as effective as other companies. Right. Another thing that that you mentioned um, in one of the blog posts and I think you found in in the survey that you you ran was, um, A, there's not a lot of data visualization people in leadership roles. Um, And also this sort of split between people who are doing data visualization in organizations that maybe doesn't see the light of day. So the sort of stuff that you're doing behind the veil of, of Netflix, and then people who are out and about who have a social media presence who, you know, are marketing either themselves or their organizations, because that's part of the job and sort of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe is there, are you thinking that there's an imbalance in, in those two parts of the field? Well, so I think that uh, the lack of data visualization people in leadership, I think it's a real phenomenon. I think that it um, is based on the newness of sort of modern data viz. I think it's just something that's going to change as things go forward. Um, And, you know, in the same way that once somebody becomes a manager at Netflix, they might have spent their time being a data engineer or a data scientist or or in any of these other roles, UI engineer. Right. Um, They stop doing that. And it's a constant refrain across uh, companies around here of, you know, somebody saying, oh, I haven't written code in three months or six months or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're so sad. And they're not really. I know. <laughs> but, and, and so I'm not talking about, you know, it's not like you continue to do that for the rest of your life. I'm talking about sort of uh, preconceptions and what you bring to the table when you're thinking about strategic development and, you know, these leadership questions. And so I think that's just a natural thing that's going to change that I just want to highlight and maybe, you know, hopefully spur leadership at organizations to to try to prime that pump and develop those roles more quickly because, you know, it it means that they've got a blind spot. Mm -hmm. As far as the other side of it, I think that, yes, right now, I think our models for successful data visualization practitioners are too dominated by people who are in the public eye. And they're in the public eye either because it's their job, like journalists. Or academics, you know, an academic has to publish. It's, that's the whole publish or perish thing means mm-hmm. that you have to publicize your work. Or freelancers and, and consultants who need to publicize their work or they won't get uh, new clients. And I don't think that uh, it's so much that those roles are invalid in comparison to uh, the kind of professional roles that I see in industry. It's that there's not a 100% match between the skills that, that you develop in those kind of roles versus the kind of roles that, that you have professionally. And I think right now there's this idea that you have to be this sort of dynamic, charismatic, great communicator to succeed at data visualization. When I'm sure that there are a lot of people who maybe don't like talking to people, don't like going to conferences, don't like tweeting Mm-hmm. but are very good at developing um, visual rhetoric that I don't want excluded from the field. And so that's my biggest concern as far as modeling sort of uh, successful narratives in data visualization. Yeah, I, I wonder whether that's not unique to data visualization, right? So you've got Bill Nye, the science guy um, in science, right, who's out there and everybody knows who he is. You've got Paul Krugman, you know, as an economist who's out there. There are lots of other economists who are also very smart, 
um, you know, also doing valuable work. And many of them are probably working for uh, banks or other industries where their models may or might not be allowed out the door for the same sort of reasons that uh, data visualizations aren't allowed out the door. So I think we're talking about really is evolution of the field, as it were. So is there a difference between these other fields where the charismatic people who like to speak and are good speakers and good writers write books and those sorts of things and the data visualization field? I mean, it seems to me like that's just, you know, part of what it is to, you know, sort of make your way to the top of a, of a specialty. I think that is part of it for sure. I think that right now what we run into is that most of the people who are speaking for professional data visualization practitioners either are directly invested in certain solutions. Mm. And here I'm talking about folks who work for Tableau or mm. work for Trifecta or any of these you know, companies that I love. And I think these are smart people, but we have to acknowledge their biases. Or they're folks who used to work in this field and frankly haven't worked in this field in the last 10 years when things have changed quite dramatically mm-hmm. with the tool sets and the, and the expectations. And so here I think of someone like Stephen Few who provides extremely valuable work. And I own a couple of his books and I think he's right about a lot of the things he, he says. Um, but Stephen responded to one of my articles offended that I referred to him as a, a conservative view in data visualization. I think that's really odd because, of course, Stephen Pugh is a conservative view in data visualization. How could anyone think otherwise? He, he is focused on charts for numerically precise representation of data for busy executives, which is an important use case in data visualization. But it's like the important use case in data visualization from 1955. Mm. And there are other use cases now. There are other clients. There are other deep engagement over time with long-lived applications that are going to be extended. And that's primarily what I build at Netflix. I don't build figures for presentations to executives. And so a lot of these lessons that people are learning about professional data visualization that are extremely valuable only apply to a subset of the use cases of data visualization in industry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned, and not to pick on Tableau, I mean, we could pick Company X. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting because um, last year when, and just as the example, Tableau stock fell by, you know, some huge 50% amount or something like that last February, you know, I, I sort of tweeted out this graph of the stock price, which was just, you know, a remarkable sort of shift. And a lot of people were, were defending the the company, and which was fine. I didn't really have a take on the company, but it did spur this conversation about, are people in the data visualization field obligated to reveal or disclose when they hold stock in a particular company they have a financial interest in? So we know when someone has, you know, they work at Tableau or they work at Microsoft um, or they work at Netflix. But if we, if they don't work at those places and they have a financial interest, is there an obligation then to reveal those affiliations? So I guess there's a lot going on in the field. I mean, it's funny that we've seen some ethics in data visualization yeah. on, and, and I haven't heard that offered up because I guess it's too controversial. I mean, it's odd. I think that I'm less concerned about that than I am about these sort of structural issues, which is that, first of all, I mean, I want to be very clear here because I don't have a financial interest in it and, you know, it's not going to affect my job. But I do want to be clear that I think Tableau does great work. Mm-hmm. I think that Excel does great work. I think Jorge's um, demonstration of that, the piece that he just published on Medium, demonstrates it. Um, It's not so much that I think that uh, they're somehow holding the field back. I think the problem is when we forget that there are natural biases that are going to happen 
people frame things within the tool that they are accustomed to. I mean, I try to be aware that I use D3 all the time. And so therefore, there's a whole grammar graphics lineage that I struggle against all the time when it comes to building data visualization. And not that there's anything wrong with grammar graphics, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's enabled a huge amount of processual data viz, but it's still a frame that if I'm not aware of is uh, biasing the the kind of work that I do. That said, uh, I think that we're remarkably unself-reflective in data visualization for being such a young field. We're remarkably naive about these things. I think it's f- it's for positive reasons. I think what we're, we've been trying to do with the field is be positive and community-oriented and not be as critical as we could be because mm-hmm. we want to you know lift people up. But I think as a result, we haven't gotten very good at being critical. Mm. You painted an interesting picture in my head of whether there's a curve of the evolution of a field where, again, you just look back the last 10 or 15 years, we had the the tower infographics sort of came and went. We have the birth of D3 and the interest in Tableau and then of all the D3 sort of uh, drop and drag tools like you know, high charts and click and quadrigram and all those and how the criticism works both within the field and then from outside the field. And I wonder whether there's sort of this evolution of the field where in the next few years, maybe we seem to be coming back from interactive to static and whether the critiques of the field will evolve in a similar kind of way and that we'll see now we're sort of everybody's being nice to each other, but maybe um, maybe that's about to change or maybe it will change. Yeah, I think that, you know, whenever you see movements where there's a lot of novelty, it's natural for criticism to recede into the background because people don't know how to criticize. Mm. How do you criticize things that have only been around for, you know, a a year or two? How does anybody tell me that I used the wrong particles in my particle Sankey diagram when no one's ever done that before, right? Right, right. And so, yeah, I think that we're seeing a maturity of, like you were saying, this sort of uh, procedurally generated data visualization that's that's enabled interactive and animated data visualization um, that makes it less flashy. And so naturally people feel like, oh, well, I don't have to do animated interactive stuff. I can do static stuff because it's not so important. The flashiness isn't rewarded because people are accustomed now to animated and interactive stuff. And maybe that's why we're seeing more of a a focus on impact and insights. And all of the I words are coming back into data visualization. So I I think it's natural. I think that there's nothing very controversial about that. And yeah, and I think that a part of it is this question of professionalization. And I think that the question of professionalization, frankly, is still an open one. I think that there's a profession here, but it could be that there isn't. It could be that that, you know, five years from now, there are no data visualization engineers, that it really is a skill that, you know, UI engineers have or data scientists have or, or people who are doing more communication style pieces have. Do you think the innovation in the field, at least the outward innovation? So, again, we're, we the two of us, at least, have sort of different uh, roles or, or different places in our organizations. But do you think um, outwardly, at least publicly, that the innovation in data visualization has change dramatically like i look back at the year when periscopics gun piece came out and pitch came out with their drone piece and there were a few others that year that seemed in some ways like a high point of innovation of totally new things and i wonder from your perspective whether um we've continued to be as or more innovative or we've sort of slid back into well let's just go and make 
you know, more conservative, more Stephen Few. I mean, I would, I would agree with you. He is clearly on the conservative side of the field. But are we worried too much or, or more so about bar charts and line charts and not pushing the, the envelope as much as we were maybe a, three or four years ago? I think so. I, I mean, I, it's funny. It seems that way. I don't have any empirical evidence of it. It feels like we're not radically developing new methods of visual expression of data like we were two and three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's hard to it's and I mean, I think that that's why everybody's so taken by Naughty Brimmer. I think she's a real throwback with all of her filters and text mm-hmm. on curves and things like that. I think that um, she's very sort of mythical in that way. Right. It seemed like there were people like that showing up every six months. And yeah. I can't think of anybody who's really sort of taken the scene like she has and just said, hey, I had these ideas about stuff and I'm going to push boundaries. And I've heard some people say that's because uh, all the good talent got hired up and locked away and now we're making bar charts in the Netflix mines. And I think that while that might be the case to a certain degree, I think that it's, you know, it's it's one of these um, art imitating life or life imitating art kind of questions. I know that I've grown less excited about pushing the boundaries of visual expression of data and patterns. And I've grown more interested in how to measure impact and how to structurally speak to uh, concepts of insight and information and things like that. But again, you know, I mean, this is the problem that we run into when we talk about this field is because we haven't developed structural language around the field, because we haven't developed a professional dialogue, then it's just this constant um, uh, chorus of discussions. You know, my feelings on it, your feelings on it, Lynn's feelings on it. Everybody's got feelings. I mean, we don't have any sort of consensus and we don't have any sort of mechanism. We haven't developed any mechanisms to drive consensus. I mean, I wonder why that hasn't happened. Like, I I was asking uh, Enrico and Moritz about this. Why don't we have a professional publication? Why don't we have a professional society? Why don't we have, you know, why is it that all of these um, conferences are so very different in the demographics of who's attending and, and how they sort of laud successful practitioners? So let me give you a, a, an example that I think might, well, I don't know if it'll, maybe it'll shed some light on this, but... Um, you know, part of my job is to help people with their visualizations, but also with their presentation techniques and their PowerPoints. And what I have found is that there's been a demonstrated value to having better graphs, better visualizations, different visualizations. But I don't think the same has been shown uh, uh, for presentations, for PowerPoints, that there is a demonstrated – I mean, I would argue there is, but I don't think – People in general have recognized, at least the people that I tend to work with and consult with, recognize the importance of changing how they present. So that being said, I don't do as much sort of the hands-on PowerPoint um, design that as probably I would like because I don't think it's been a, it's demonstrated as well. Same time, about six months ago, a few friends of mine launched the Presentation Guild, which is exactly the sort of membership certification uh, society sort of thing that you were just mentioning for data visualization. And I think even though these two fields are sort of moving at different paces, it is interesting to me that it's taken this long to get a group up and running that is actually trying to do exactly what you're talking about, but for the presentation field. So perhaps it just takes time. Perhaps it takes a, you know, just a core number of people to actually push this over the edge and say, yeah, we need to have this thing. I do think so. I mean, I think that that's, you know, I don't think that there's anything radical about the state of the field. I think it really is just a natural evolution of um, something that was expensive and uncommon before Mm. 
and has progressed to the point where now you have a lot of folks who have moderate level of talent. And that's reflected in that data visualization survey, as skewed and, and as skewed as that survey is, I'm sure it is. But you see this real youth bulge in that survey mm -hmm. of people who have been doing data visualization for three or four years. And um, it's really interesting because there's also this huge bulge in the people who've been doing data visualization for 10 plus years. And I think that that, to me, speaks to the entire state of the field where you have a lot of folks who have been doing this for a long time and naturally have, like I was saying earlier about biases, you know, biases that, that developed because that was how things worked when they were learning how to do these things. And um, I'm not some kind of, uh, you know, I don't believe that we throw out like the older generation and we have nothing to learn from the older generation. I think Tufty is still required reading. Um, I think that Bertan is still required reading. I think Stephen Few is required reading. Mm -hmm. But I also acknowledge that they were developing concepts at a time when the tools and applications were very different than they are now. And on top of that, the number of practitioners was very different. And just when you have an increase in the number of practitioners, that doesn't just mean that there's more. It means that you do have different issues at play. And, uh, and I haven't seen anything that has really dealt with that. And so, yeah, I think it's natural that the field is just at this inflection point mm -hmm. and it just needs to uh, understand itself. But at the same time, um, I mean, I'm not all kumbaya. I think, it's, <laughs> I th I think that, that there's a lot of uh, regressive elements in data visualization right now who uh, don't have any value for this position that there is that there is something up that there is a tension and um and i just don't agree with them i fundamentally don't agree i think that that things are changing the field is growing yeah and changing and and i, I agree with you i think it's really interesting this idea that we're equivocating now on the value of mm. interactive and animated graphics and i think that's great i think it's really exciting and i hope that my personal interest is in trying to revisit the value of um iconography, sort of traditional infographics, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff that doesn't fit within the grammar of graphics paradigm. All of this very sort of uh, hand-generated auto neuroth kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So let me close with this. Let, let me put you in the position of the president of the Society of Data Visualization Engineers and ask you, what would you like to see? Uh, you know, the top two or three things you'd like to see over the next, let's say, three or four years. Oh, that is interesting. Put my money where my mouth is, eh? <laughs> well, first off, you've already been elected president of a mythical right. society I just created. So, you know. Congratulations. You all have wonderful taste. <laughs> um, what do we need to see? Yeah. Um, so in that case, let me, let me create some committees. Okay. okay. All right. So that'll, that'll be how I, I declare right. it. So um, <laughs> now that we've got this together, one of these committees has to be focused on developing mechanisms for evaluating impact within an organizational setting. I think that's a key problem that I experience all the time with data visualization. Um, our mechanisms for evaluating data visualization either are overly academic, they rely on sort of these uh, cognitive cog sci kind of stuff, gestalt kind of stuff, or they rely on experimental practice that you can't do inside an organization, or they rely on too large an audience you know, internal applications don't have audiences of, of thousands. They have audiences of, you know, half a dozen to maybe a couple of dozen. Right. 
So I'd like to see us develop some standards for how to evaluate impact of data visualization, specifically within an organizational setting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to make it a really sort of a committee, Maybe simple slogany kind yeah. of way to say yeah, it. But yeah. what I want to see is I want to see um, an integration of aesthetic um, value back into organizational development of data visualization. So right now, I think people are way too comfortable saying, oh, well, that's aesthetic. And so I don't deal with that. And so Mm -hmm. as a result, what you end up with is you end up with every data visualization you see inside an organization using the same horrible 10-color scheme when there's only three categorical variables that they're representing. Mm -hmm. Um, You see people wondering why they made some kind of dashboard and nobody's using it. um, And therefore tacitly acknowledging that they work within an attention economy inside their organization, but they're not taking that into account when they're building the applications. Mm -hmm. And just more generally accepting that when we say something is um, attractive or has a sophisticated look and feel or has a complex look and feel, that sometimes those are impactful Mm. purely for that reason within an organizational setting. And and I think that that is specifically at odds with this sort of... uh, the, the theme of data visualization in industry in the last uh, 10 years. Yeah, I would extend some of that. I mean, I don't even think it's within an industry or within an organization. I mean, sometimes the visualizations that are non-standard are not as familiar to people, um, engage people, engage readers and users in a way that the traditional graphs don't. The one that comes to mind is the um, the measles heat maps from the Wall Street Journal, where you could have easily presented these uh, you know, patterns in, in measles, uh, infections by state over time as a line map, as a line chart. And you would have seen, you know, 51 squirrely lines, but as a heat map, it engages you and you see it in a different way. And, and maybe you're more inclined to look at it, uh, because it's just different. Uh, That's right. Yeah, I think so. And I think that we, we really do need to deal with that. And I think that finally, um, and it's a point I've touched on a couple of other places, uh, let's develop some, fundamental training for how to uh, effectively create and also for audiences to effectively use um, some broader categories of data visualization. And here I'm specifically referring to flow diagrams, hierarchical diagrams, and network diagrams. Mm. I mean, let's just focus on, you know, I mean, complex data visualization is anything you want it to be. I know that. But let's focus on a few of these sort of fundamentals. And uh, you know what I would love? I would love for Stephen Few to write a book about how to make and read Mm. Sankey diagrams, how to make and read uh, force-directed network diagrams, and how to make and read, you know, dendrograms, circle packs, and tree maps. Right. That's what we need. We need somebody to tell us here are the – because those things – all of those things that I've just described have been around for a long time are fundamentally straightforward representations of certain types of data. And I still cannot point to a sort of best of class or a a bulleted list of the important things to keep in mind when building them or reading them. Mm. Interesting. Well, uh, you just gave someone a PhD dissertation, so hopefully someone will uh, pick that up. No, it has to be shorter than that. Nobody's <laughs> going to read anybody's. It has to be like a. It has to be a, a really aggressive pamphlet. We have to. What we have to do is we have to do for sophisticated, complex data visualization what Lin Manuel Miranda did for Hamilton. Mm. We have to rehabilitate it. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, except that Hamilton d- didn't deserve it, but. <laughs> but we need a musical version for data visualizations. Really we need data visualization the musical. <laughs> 
Well, I look forward to it on my tickets first. So, um, <laughs> Elijah, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been uh, this has been really fun, and I look forward to this uh, conversation continuing. Thanks for inviting me, John. Me too. And thanks, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll share your thoughts and your comments. Uh, you can find both Elijah and I on Twitter and various social media channels. So this has been the PolicyViz podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.